Bible memory section. If you have that one down immediately, it's a familiar passage to us in part because of the um, quick staccato-like instructions that Paul is giving to the Thessalonians here at the end of this book, this first epistle. <clears throat> first Thessalonians 5 and verse 16, the Bible says, Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesyings, prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil, and so on. So you have these quick hit uh, instructions that stick with you uh, because of the way that they're worded and uh, the conciseness of them, easy to remember. I want to talk tonight about that uh, one in the middle, verse 18, and everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now, uh, the Thanksgiving time is a testimony time, and so I'm going to do something a little unusual here tonight, and that is to give something that's a little more personal for me, some testimony uh, time from myself tonight as the sermon. And so I hope that you'll uh, bear with me and follow along as I take you through uh, a pretty significant event in my life here and the way that God has used this uh, to instruct me. Let's pray and we'll begin. Lord, thank you that we can uh, look at your word, be instructed by it, but also consider the way that it impacts us in our daily lives. And I uh, pray that you'd help me, Lord. I ask that I would uh, be able to relate the lesson that you taught me um, to the church, that we would understand it, that uh, we would uh, understand also <clears throat> the important duty of giving thanks to you. And Lord, this is your will that we would do this. And uh, it's not always easy. And in fact, in the times when it's not easy, that is when it is most important that we give thanks and everything. And so I pray that we would learn this and that you would give us help and grace and teach us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I have told you the story in the past of my, let's call it my Thanksgiving revival. Um, when I was in college, I had finished my first year of college, and uh, I had developed a custom when I was in high school. I don't remember exactly when I started doing it, but on Thanksgiving morning, I would go out by myself, and I would take a walk, and I would rehearse uh, a year of events in my life. I will tell you that when you're 18, it's easier to remember everything that happened in the year than when you're in your 50s. I almost have given up. Like, I can't remember what happened last December. Um, really, I have very vague uh, recollections of anything uh, with that. And I know that I was alive in December. I wasn't in the hospital. I wasn't in a coma. I know that. Um, but other things are more difficult to remember. But... But when I was a teenager, I would rehearse, I would go back to December, and I would just think about what happened in December, and as 
Now, different events came to my mind. I would thank the Lord for each of those events. And I would go through every month of the year. That way, sometimes I would start out just with the highlights of the year, the things that stood out to me the most, and then I would go back and think in detail about the things that I had done or achieved or experienced, and I would just give thanks for every one of those things. And it would take an hour or an hour and a half for me to rehearse that year, and then I would come back home and, um, and join the family for our Thanksgiving celebration. <clears throat> My um, freshman year of college was spent at Hiles Anderson College, uh, and uh, I'm just going to tell you this, even though I am adamantly opposed to every element of that ministry today, their philosophy, their theology, their uh, morality, um, all, everything. Uh, when I was a freshman at Hiles, I loved it. I loved it absolutely. It was an exciting place. I was making friends. I was, I would say if I was giving an assessment, uh, I walked with the Lord there more closely than I had anywhere else before that. Uh, every day I would get up at 5 or 5.30 in the morning and I would go out and walk. They had a, a lake on the campus and I would walk around that lake and I would pray and I would give thanks and I would pour my heart out to God and I would read my Bible and I would study diligently and it was a very good year for me. Very good year. Well, probably one of the best years of my life if I was measuring um, just humanly speaking, of course, prior to um, getting married and having kids and so on, but certainly up to that point, it was a special time. It was a very special year. And in my loyalty to Hiles Anderson, um, and this is probably uh, a little in intramural information here, um, but uh, Fairhaven Baptist, which is where I graduated from college, they became the enemy, public enemy number one. There was a huge rivalry between the two. And if I can just share a little of the politics of things, the reason I ended up at Hiles, I had intended when I was a sophomore in high school, I had committed that I was going to attend college at Fairhaven. And I planned to do that all the way up until about a month before I went to college. And it was right in there in that time that Dr. Bogman, the pastor at Fairhaven, preached a sermon, why I'm not 100% for Jack Hiles, in which he, for two hours, laid out really the theological and moral issues related to that. My parents, you know, we were in the thick of the melee between the two, and my parents insisted that Roger Bogman should not have said those things, um, that he was wrong about those things, and that I should not go there. And so, of course, I was happy not to go there and to go instead to Hiles. And because of that, I developed, I, I just considered it a personal attack against Jack Hiles, and I considered um, that to be uh, in the wrong, and, and I became very loyal um, to Hiles at that point. Everything went along just fine throughout my freshman year of college, and then at the end of the year, I mean like a day before, I think on the day of graduation, I wasn't graduating, but 
graduation day, my pastor and my dad came and met me on campus and took me out to eat and they began to show me that in fact many of the um, moral accusations uh, against Jack Hiles were in fact true and um, well-founded and well-documented. And they informed me right then that I would not be going to back there. And that flipped a switch in my mind. Not only did they tell me that I was not going back to school there, but they told me instead that they wanted me to go to Fairhaven. And again, that was public enemy number one for me. I wanted nothing to do with that. To make matters worse, that summer I took a job washing dishes at Denny's restaurant. My shift started at 10 o'clock at night and finished at 6 o'clock in the morning. And then I would come home and I would wait for my sisters to finish with the showers so that I could take a shower and I would not get in bed because I would just like you could draw the, like write your name on my arm with all the grease. And I did not handle working midnights very well at all. I would wake up at 10 o'clock laying in the hallway waiting for the showers to be empty, my family long gone. I would literally, there were times I would sit down to eat a bowl of cereal and I would wake up with my head on the table. I just, some people can handle it, I could not handle it. I, I didn't spend any time reading my Bible or praying, I slept through church, that never happened before, but just my midnights, and then on top of that, uh, my, my uh, work week started on Tuesday night. I worked Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night. On Friday night, I would work all night. I would get up Saturday morning, well, I get home Saturday morning, take a shower, go out on bus visitation till three or four in the afternoon, sleep for a couple of hours, and then go work all night Saturday night. And then Sunday morning, I would go to church and I would be in church all day on Sunday without any sleep really. And so the only sleep I got was during church. So I'm not reading my Bible, I'm not praying, I'm not attentive to church at all. I can, honestly, I feel like I'm barely hanging on. My parents, meanwhile, are insistent. In fact, um, this is a, this really happened. <clears throat> my parents <coughs> told me I had to go to Ferryham and I was very unhappy about that. My sisters came in my room and asked me what I was gonna do and I said, I'm not going there. No matter what, I'm not going there. And uh, my parents were out in the hall and they overheard me say that. And they told me, You're, you can decide to go there or you can just stay in your room and be grounded all summer. And so I decided that I would go there. Very unhappy, very unhappy. Becoming very distant from God. And then at the end of that summer, probably the worst thing that ever happened happened. And that was that I caught my pastor in an act of immorality. I caught him myself. And when I confronted it, he lied and denied what was happening. He went to my parents and told them that your son is about to ruin my ministry. My parents came and 
applied the screws to me on that and told me that I was going to be quiet about it and not say anything. And so <clears throat> I was worn out, away from the Lord, angry, disillusioned, and then I got in my car and I drove myself to a college that I hated. I'm not exaggerating when I say I hated it. I hated it. I was the most miserable young man that you would ever meet from that September to that November. When I first went to college, I intended to get myself expelled. That way I could tell my parents, well, there's nothing we can do about it. I, I just say I, there was a failure of nerve on my part. I came, uh, you know, I was on track. I'll say that. Now, I was well on track, and then I just couldn't quite do it. Um, but I was definitely an angry young man. Uh, my friends would comment on it. I didn't really have any friends. My uh, the staff would comment on it. People would talk about it. And when I went home for Thanksgiving, <clears throat> I was surly and cynical. And I can't explain to you why on that Thanksgiving morning, I got up early and went for my annual walk, other than that that was my tradition to do that. I really can't say that I had been spending any time in the Word of God or in prayer from September to November. I don't remember spending any time in any kind of spiritual pursuit whatsoever. So why I went on that Thanksgiving morning walk, I cannot say. But as I went on that walk that morning, I started back in December, and memories came flooding back of a happy time that I had spent at Hiles Anderson College. I remembered the close walk that I enjoyed with the Lord during that school year that now seemed like a distant memory. The fervent prayers that I had prayed as I walked the, the lake on that campus. And I remembered in particular something that I had prayed when I was a freshman, when I was walking with the Lord. I had heard a challenge in a chapel service. And I had prayed and said, Lord, please do whatever you need to me in order to make me what you want me to be. Strip away everything that makes me happy. Take everything that you think needs to be taken away from me. And as I took my Thanksgiving walk, I remembered praying that. And I was angry. I was angry that I prayed it. And I was even more angry that God did it. I didn't think that God would do the things that he had done. And I resented it. I thought about how unhappy I was now. And I poured out my complaint to the Lord. 
Yes, I knew I asked God to do what he had done and then some. I knew I was wrong to resent what had happened in my life. I knew that <clears throat> I should be happy for these things. God answered my prayer. But they were all too shocking, too disappointing. At that moment, I hated everything about my life. Everything about my life. For three hours that Thanksgiving morning, I walked and I walked and I complained and I griped and I thought about how hard I had it, how disappointing my life was, until finally it hit me that I had been walking for three hours. And in that three hours, I had not found one reason to thank the Lord. I had not thanked the Lord for one thing. And then I repented. And I confessed my sin. I cried out to God for forgiveness. Those hot, angry tears turned to tears of repentance. I thought about what God was doing in my life, about how uncomfortable he had made me. I didn't want to thank him for it because I thought that thanking him for these things would invite more trouble. To thank him would be an admission that he was right to do what he did. It would mean admitting that God had something good in these troubles, something that I needed. I remember all of my resentments crumbling as I slowly surrendered that morning to God's providential guidance in my life. So that finally, I didn't do a rehearsal of the whole year, but I thank God for the one big thing that he had done in my life, for the troubles that he had brought. It was then that I recognized the way God had been patient with me, had put up with my bad attitude and my bad behavior. I began to confess <clears throat> the anger the resentment that I felt towards God, to see that I had been angry at what God was doing in my life, that my anger was at Him. There's a hard pill to swallow. But after the repentance and the confession, the hardest thing to do was to thank the Lord for bringing these things into my life. I've had many years to rehearse and review that life-altering event in my life, and I have said many times that that Thanksgiving morning changed my life. God changed my life on that day. <clears throat> I've come to recognize a few things about Thanksgiving that I think are important. 
Why did I find it so hard to thank God in the midst of those trials? I want to give you, I think I have about six reasons why it was difficult for me to say a simple thing to the Lord. Thank you. Thank you for this. The first reason is this. The giving thanks in difficult times means that I think God is right to do what he's doing. God's thoughts are not my thoughts. His ways are not my ways. And on that Thanksgiving morning, I had been arguing with God for three straight hours disputing with him over his decision in my life. It's obscene, really, for a man to dispute with his God about a decision that God makes for his life. And I'll say that all the upheaval and all the Difficulty and all the disillusionment was something that God had put in my life. I have not asked for it other than that I asked God to strip away everything that he needed to strip away so that he could use me. But I certainly did not ask for the things that came my way. God put them in there. There's no denying How could I thank God for things that I disagreed with him about? How could I thank him for that? I knew that the moment I gave thanks for it, I was saying, you are right to do this. And I resented that. And yet, this is why it is God's will in Christ Jesus concerning you that you should in everything give thanks because in everything everything we are to look at God and say God you're right you're right because he is right and whatever he does he is right hard pill to swallow but it is God's will that we swallow. Giving thanks means saying God is right. Secondly, giving thanks in difficult times means that I surrender to God's will. I knew in my heart that I could not undo what God had done. There was no going back. I think that was what hit me the hardest on that walk in that morning. I remember just providentially by my custom, I always went back to December. And I remembered in December where I was and how happy I was. And it hit me right then. You can't go back. You don't get to do that again. You can't undo 
what has been done. In my heart of hearts, I knew that it was right, in fact, that I not be there anymore, but I wanted to be there. It sounds very carnal, but in my heart, when God had taken away everything, almost everything that mattered to me, the only thing I had left were my resentments. Have you ever been in that place where if I can't have anything else, I can at least hold on to my bitterness? That's something. There are many people, many people, who cling to their resentment for that reason only, that it's the only thing they have left. And I was there. I'm telling you, I was there. If I gave up my resentments, I had nothing. I knew, in that moment, I knew that when I said thank you to God, that would mean surrender. And I wasn't willing to lay down arms against God on this matter. And so I fought. I kicked. I held on to my resentments. I refused to breathe a breath of surrender to the Lord. Giving thanks means surrendering to God, accepting His will, not just accepting it, embracing it. Giving thanks means laying down arms, laying aside resentments and bitterness. There's a third thing. Giving thanks in difficult times means <coughs> that I agree with God that I needed this. I agree with God that I needed this. If I'm honest, as I walked for those three hours, and honestly, from September to November, while I was harboring my resentment and displaying my resentment everywhere. I still knew, I still knew that it was true. I knew I needed it. And I refused to say. God had, by his providence, made me very unhappy. He took away from me almost everything that mattered in my life, almost everything that gave meaning and purpose to my life. And in that time, in that moment, as strange as it sounds to my ears now, I could not imagine a scenario in which I could ever be happy again. Isn't that the way we are, by the way? That's, I say, you know, when you're really sick, you've been in bed for two days, it's hard to remember what it felt like to be healthy, right? To feel well. You think about walking to the refrigerator and you think, no, I'd rather die first. I think I'm just going to die. And when you're healthy, it's hard to remember what it feels like when you're sick. Our minds exaggerate and blow these things up. And I'm just telling you, in my mind, I didn't think that I would ever be happy again. I had left my friends behind. I had left 
the, the place behind that made me very happy, that I thought was the key to my future and my success. It was all about me, yes, for sure. How could God do this to me? And more importantly, how could I thank him for doing this to me when it made me so unhappy? I knew in my heart that if I thanked him, that I was saying not only that he was right, but I was saying that I needed God to do that. And that was, that was a hard pill to swallow. I was not ready to admit that. I refused to see what was clearly there. That my resentments really amounted to an idolatry of circumstances. An idolizing of the ideal circumstance that I wanted for my life had lost and could not get back. But it's hard to admit that. It's hard to say, I'm resentful, Lord. I'm resentful that you changed my circumstances, that you took my happiness away from me. It's hard to say. I had things in my life that I believed were necessary to my future happiness, and God said, no, in fact, those things are not necessary for your future happiness. In fact, God said those things are detrimental to your future happiness. And I, I wasn't ready to say that. I wasn't ready to agree with that. I, was, I didn't agree with that at all. I could not see that. And I was resentful that God would impose that on me, would take that away from me. I couldn't agree with it. I couldn't accept it. To say that I needed God to do this to me was to say that there was a flaw in my plan for my future. It was to say that there was a fault in things that I held dear, that I loved dearly. It was to say that I had become overly dependent on those things to negl the neglect of the things of God. That I was, in fact, valuing those things, that experience, those circumstances, above God's will for my life. That's what I was doing. I knew that I was doing it. I knew that it was selfish and wrong for me to do it. But still, it's one thing to say, okay, I'm being selfish. I'm being resentful. I am idolizing my circumstances. But it's quite another thing to say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for taking that away from me. Thank you for changing my circumstances. Thank you for showing me that this is detrimental. <clears throat> my treasure 
was on earth, not in heaven. I knew this. I felt it in my bones. Which is why I refused to thank God. Because I knew that the moment I thanked God for it, I was saying that what God did here was what I needed. <clears throat> Giving thanks tells God, thank you, Lord, for putting my needs above my wants. But when God has taken something away that you wanted, he's telling you that you don't need that. I can't explain to you or describe to you the pain of that experience. Unless you've been there, you may not be able to imagine it either. But this is why I didn't want to say thank you. A fourth thing, giving thanks in difficult times means that I trust God to do what is best for me. I trust Him. I'm extending the last point not only that I needed God to do this, but I'm trusting God overall in my life to guide, to direct, to order my steps. I hate to say it this way, but I thought that if I thanked God for what he did, I would be giving him permission to do it again. I think in that moment, I was willing to accept that I could never get back what God had taken from me. I was willing to accept that, but I was not willing to accept the idea that God could do the same thing again and more. I wasn't willing to give up anything else. Again, that's what this thing of thanksgiving felt like to me in my pain. It felt like I was handing over the keys of my life to God. Now, putting it in perspective, and, and I want to say here that I'm relating to you how I felt in a moment that is vivid in my memory 30 years later. It was more than half my life ago. But I also, just to put it in perspective, would like to remind you that I was not quite 20 years old when all of this happened. I had very little experience of granting God control of my life. All the times before this had been very easy to give God control of my life. When I was a teenager, I surrendered my life to the Lord. It was a big deal, I felt like. I was making this grand presentation of my life, you know, my 16-year-old weaselly little self, I was handing over to God. Oh, it was so noble. And it was so heavy to do that. It felt so big and so important. But the truth is, the reality is, that when I was 16 and 17 years old, I had never really had control of my life at all. My parents had control of my life they told me what to do, they told me when to do it, and they told me to get a smile on my face while I was doing it too. And if they weren't telling me what to do, 
my school was telling me what to do, or my church was telling me what to do, that all of my life was dictated by authority figures at that time in my life. This was the first taste I had ever had of personal control, shall we say autonomy? My first taste of it, and the first time I encountered God's will in opposition to my own. So surrender when I was 16, 17, 18 years old, surrender really meant saying that sometime in the future when I have a little more control, I imagine that it's going to be really easy to give control to you. And now that time had come, and now I was having second thoughts about it. If this is what it means for you to govern in my life, to, for you to have control in my life, I don't know if I want to do this. That's how I was looking at it. I wouldn't have said that out loud, but that's how it was happening. So it might seem overstated that I would speak of Thanksgiving this way. Maybe you're thinking, man, Pastor, I've thanked the Lord for all kinds of things. I've never had that kind of battle to say thank you over a thing. You know, you see a little kid. I remember when we taught our kids when they were babies to say thank you. And there would be the there would be a little battle over that. They didn't want to say thank you. They just wanted to get, you know, uh, 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 right? That that meant give me. And then when I gave it, it was cram, 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 right? And we would say, no, say please. And then they finally go, shh, and that, that counted. And then we'd say thank you, and they go, doo, doo, and that was, got it, Trevor, good job there, all right? And, and in the meanwhile, there would always be this little battle about it. But since then, you know, Typically, we adults, we're not thinking this is a huge, major battleground, but I'm telling you, overstated or not, it was definitely a battle for me to say thank you. As I said, <coughs> I felt like if I thank God for what he had done in my life in that past year, that I was telling God to do it again, I trusted him. To do it again if necessary. I felt like giving thanks for it was tantamount to saying, I trust you, Lord, in everything. Giving up control like that in that moment felt reckless and dangerous. I felt vulnerable. I had asked God, yes, to strip me before I knew what that felt like, what that meant. I had given him permission. And then I found out how difficult and uncomfortable it was. Actually, what I really thought was that God had ruined my life. That's what I thought. I felt like I was picking up the shards of clay off the ground so that I could patch something back together and cling to that. 
saying thank you for this, felt like I was saying to God, go ahead, crush me again. I wasn't ready to trust the Lord, and so I didn't want to say thank you. A fifth thing here, giving thanks in difficult times means that I value God above my own comfort. It means that I think God's will is more important than the things that make me happy. Really, it means giving up. I know that I've said this a couple of ways, a couple of times, but I'm telling you this is exactly how I felt about it. Like, saying thank you, that those two little words was opening up a vulnerability in my life that I was not ready to open up. To say thank you at such a time was to say, God, you matter to me more than my happiness. God had stripped me of the things that I thought gave my life purpose and meaning. And now I'm supposed to thank him for it? I couldn't. I wouldn't. I suppose you could say I treasured my own happiness and comfort more than God's will. I, I think that's exactly right, in fact. That is what I was treasuring. God exposed that. <clears throat> God exposed that by taking so much, at least in my mind, taking so much away from me. God exposed where my treasure was. He showed me not what I wanted to see there, not what I wanted to be there, but what was actually there in my heart. <clears throat> The affections, the bent of my heart. <clears throat> he showed me where my treasure was by taking the treasure away and letting me feel the resentment of losing it. I understood it. I understood well that the moment I said thank you, was the moment I gave up what I had treasured. I gave up the treasure. I'm not saying that this is the case every time we give thanks, of course. I think probably I'm sharing with you an extreme circumstance, but nonetheless, I think it's important for us to understand the extent of that commandment in everything give thanks. I'm saying that this is the case when we give thanks after a devastating loss. Should I have looked at my loss as devastating? Probably not. I was young. I was immature. I'm very sure that I blew things out of proportion. I, I, I definitely, today, I, I say, it's like the opposite, like the opposite world here. I, I really believe, truly believe, that God favored me more in removing me from Hiles Anderson than from anything ever. 
And I, I mean that. My life, I, I can't even imagine what it would be had I stayed there. God spared me. There's no doubt about that. No doubt in my mind. God spared me. But I'm saying to you that that is not how I felt at that time. <clears throat> at the time, I saw it as an earth-shattering, life-altering, my life will never be at the same, I'll never be happy again kind of loss. You know, God deals with us where we're at. He does. God knew the way I looked at these things. He knew it. He knew that I saw it that way. He knew the way that I would handle it when he brought it into my life. He dropped it at my feet, and then he challenged me like a little baby. Say thank you. Say thank you. And I knew that my response would require me to replace my own values with God's values. Saying thank you would require me to say that the things God values are more important than the things I value. The sixth thing, giving thanks in difficult times means that I believe God is good all the time. God is good all the time, even in this bad thing that just happened to me. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Do you know when we need to hear that verse? It's not when everything worked out and I got the job, I got the promotion, I got the pay raise, everything's great. Do you know when we need to hear that verse? When we're devastated, when we're crushed, when our hearts are full of sorrow, that's when we need to be reminded that this also is part of the all things that God works together for good to those that love Him. And see, I knew it innately. I knew that saying thank you was tantamount to saying, God, you are good. Now, if you're thinking to yourself, well, that should never be hard for us to say. You're right. But sometimes it is. In that moment, the hardest thing for me to say was, God, you're good. I disagreed. I thought it was bad. I thought it was wrong. The need to say <clears throat> thank you meant that I was confronted with God's goodness, his righteousness, even when it went against him. That's why I found it so hard to bring myself to thank the Lord in that time. I knew that when I surrendered, when I said thank you, that I was admitting that God is good. That shouldn't be hard to say, but God brings circumstances into our lives that make us doubtful of his goodness. 
experience that. And when I thank the Lord for bringing these things into my life, when I thanked him for taking things away from me that I loved, that I thought were important, when I thank God for bringing such crushing <clears throat> sorrow into my life, when I thanked him, I knew that the fight was over. God won. He was good. He was right. I could trust him. I was admitting it. All of that packed into one thank you. One thank you. I surrendered. I embraced his will for my life. I yielded to his wisdom. That is the meaning when we give thanks. God took away from me the things that I thought were necessary for my happiness. If I'm honest, I didn't think I'd ever be happy again because I thought that was the only happy life I would ever have. Plus, I thought Perryman was a prison, but that's another story on that. As I recall, my Thanksgiving got off on a, to a bad start on that day when the thought hit me that I could never get back the life that I had lost. What I considered to be, to be the happiest moments of my life, I could never get back. So a significant part of my three-hour standoff was spent mourning over what I had lost. <coughs> now, like I've told you, I know now that I was wrong. It was no loss. It was gain. Believe me, all gain. 100% gain. We cannot imagine what God has in store for us if we will only trust him. Trust him. <clears throat> Today I'm grateful beyond measure that God took those things from me. Look at, look at what I have. Look at my life. Look at my wife and my children and this church and all of these things, the heritage that I have. And that's why God says in everything give thanks. Because you really, we all struggle to see past the nose on our face. It's very hard for us to see what lies ahead in the future and what God has. Give thanks to him. Give thanks now. Give thanks in disappointment. Give thanks in hard trials. Give thanks in sorrow. What does James say? My brethren, count it all joy, right? Um, my mind went blank. Huh? I'm hearing a lot of voices here. <laughs> uh, when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh with patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, one and another. God commands us to give thanks in everything. And you're going to be tested in that from time to time. In our everyday life, we're to give thanks to God. This is God's will. He tells us that. You want to do God's will, you need to give thanks in your everyday life. 
In fact, his will in Christ Jesus concerning us is that we would rejoice, pray, and give thanks in everything. Every time we thank the Lord, we are acknowledging that the good things we enjoy and the bad things that we suffer all come from his loving hand and all are very good. We acknowledge that if we have God, we can be satisfied. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go whoring from thee, but it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God, that I may declare all thy works. A pastor said, Christ is not glorious so that we can get wealthy or healthy. Christ is glorious so that rich or poor, sick or sound, we might be satisfied in him. That's the key. If you learn to be satisfied in him, then you can give him thanks regardless of your circumstances. It might be harder to thank the Lord in times of ease and plenty, in fact, than in times of crushing disappointment and defeat. Because in those times of ease and plenty, <clears throat> we have to say, what do I have that I have not been given? We sometimes struggle to throw all the praise and all the credit to the Lord. May God teach us how to abound and how to be abased. And I know from experience the difficulty of giving thanks in an hour of trial, especially when that trial strips you of things that you consider to be essential to your life and happiness. It is in those times especially that we must learn the discipline of gratitude. We must give thanks consciously, intentionally, and sometimes through hot tears. May God teach us to fulfill this part of his will. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks.